Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg as always, and today we have three different stories we're going to be talking about. The uh, The first story we're going to go into is uh, we're going to talk very heavily about the PlayStation 1 Classic. Uh, they finally revealed the full list of all 20 games that are going to be on it. And uh, there's some good, there's some bad, and there are some ugly. So we're going to go over that, and we're going to have some fun with it because we are going to talk about uh, if you remember a month ago, I did a video when they announced it, speculating what games would be on it. And uh, we'll see how close I got. <laughs> and there's actually some funny surprises in there. Um, so we're, we're going to go over that. Then we're going to talk about the Spyro Reignited trilogy. So this is the three PS1 Spyro games being remade for modern consoles, much like they did with the Crash Bandicoot uh, Insane trilogy. Uh, and we had done a story about a month ago, or actually this was a few months ago, I believe, where they uh, they had... It had come out that the game was only going to have the first game on the disc and you'd have to download the rest as a quote unquote update. So not DLC, but as an update, basically making the game disc useless because it's not the full games that you'd need, Uh, which is really unfortunate. You know, and it's not like a game where, you know, God of War comes out and has a day one patch to make it better. It still has the full game on it. The, the, The Spyro reignited trilogy is going to be missing things we're going to talk about that and then lastly we're going to talk about microsoft and they're working on controllers for smart devices uh as you know they recently announced the uh the x cloud gaming service which means they're going to you're going to be able to stream games to your handheld devices your phones tablets and such and so uh a few years ago they were experimenting with creating controllers that would work for that so we're going to talk about that um, so let me, uh, let me get back to my main screen here. Oops, I just hit the wrong button. So you gotta deal with me while I wait. <laughs> you have to hang around as always, you know, um, this, we try to keep this show not too, uh, not too awesome. You know, <laughs> you, you'd, you'd, you'd be, you'd be disappointed if this show was, uh, so well produced, uh, as it is. Um, okay. So let me close this out finally. Okay. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> So to begin today, like I said earlier, we are going to be talking about the PlayStation 1 Classic. So we had done a story about this about a month ago where when they had announced it, we talked about the price, we talked about the device, and they had announced a few games for it, but they had not released the final game list. Uh, We don't know why they didn't. Uh, I'm assuming it's because it wasn't finalized yet. Maybe they were working on some last minute deals. But in any case, they have now since released the final list. As, as I said earlier, there are going to be some good, there are some bad, and there are some downright ugly on this list. Um, the first thing I have to say, though, is what you have to understand about a device like this is that it doesn't matter what games you put on it, it was never going to please everybody, right? We all have different tastes. We all have different likes. So it was interesting when they announced this list, and I did it too, um, but it was interesting when they announced this list and everyone on Twitter was basically saying, you know, you know, I loved this game, but I can't believe this game's on there. And then the next person said, I love that game, but I can't believe this game's on there. So it really, it does come down totally and utterly to personal preference. So just remember that as we're going through everything here. Um, so, uh, we're just going to go down the list and then we're gonna have some fun because a month ago I did a video when they announced it telling about the games I thought would be on it. And so we're going to actually listen to that (laughs) as we go through and see how well I did. So, uh, but here, let's go through the list first. So, uh, first I'm going to run down the list of all of them and then we're going to talk about them one by one. So first up is battle arena to Shinden, cool borders Two, destruction derby, final fantasy seven, 
Grand Theft Auto, Intelligent Cube, Jumping Flash, Metal Gear Solid, Mr. Driller, Oddworld, Rayman, Resident Evil Director's Cut, Revelations Persona, Ridge Racer Type 4, Super Puzzle Fighter, uh, Siphon Filter, Tekken 3, Rainbow Six, Twisted Metal, and Wild Arms. So that's the list. Um, so, like I said, let's go through it. Battle Edition is not a bad game, right? It's a fighting game. But what I don't understand is why you have that fighting game and you have Tekken 3. So it's kind of strange, right? You know, I mean, I can understand. And, and really, Battle Unit Shinden 1 wasn't great. It was kind of during that early era of PS1 fighters where they were still figuring out what makes a good 3D fighter. And the second one was very good. I liked Battle Unit Shinden 2 quite a bit. But the first one was kind of rough, you know. Uh, cool Borders 2, excellent. I mean, that's an excellent snowboarding game. And it is, a, when I think of, like, PS1 games that are, like, classics i think of that not necessarily like the best game i've ever played or super memorable but that game i think of like to me it, it invokes that nostalgic feeling uh destruction derby same kind of thing as ballerina to shinden destruction derby does give me those those feelings for nostalgia but the second one was a much better game so uh final fantasy 7 we already knew about the original grand theft auto that's a that's an interesting choice and it's a fun one but if you haven't played the original Grand Theft Auto ever or in a long time, it is really difficult to play, especially when you're going really fast. The map pulls out a little bit, but it's that complete bird's eye view. And so it's not it's 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 OK. It, it, for me, it's a hard game to go back to and play still. Um, the sleeper hit, in my opinion, Intelligent Cube is the next one. So Intelligent Cube is an awesome puzzle game that I've I've loved on PS1 for many, many years. Uh, and it, to, for that to show up there, I was very surprised, but pleasantly surprised. A Jumping Flash, we already knew about that one. This one was a must-have on there, and they got it done. Metal Gear Solid, that is absolutely when you think of PS1 memories. Metal Gear Solid is there. Mr. Driller, uh, what's funny is I more associate Mr. Driller with the Dreamcast. Um, not with the PlayStation. So I very, very strange. So that one to me is, is kind of weird. Uh, Oddworld, Abe's Odyssey, another game that really connects me to the PlayStation 1. Like that that game screams PlayStation 1 to me. Uh, the original Rayman, um, I, 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 I don't have feelings for that. I guess I could see it. But again, the sequel seemingly like way, way better uh, than that one. Resident Evil Director's Cut. Uh, this one is fun because obviously the first Resident Evil is very connected to uh, the to the ps1 for me but it's interesting they're using the director's cut but also more interesting is that with the remake of resident evil 2 coming out that they didn't just do the resident evil 2 to try to like drum up interest in that but you know we'll talk more about that later because there's quite a few interesting notes like that through this list um revelations persona now this was another shock that's excellent but kind of doesn't make sense so I love the first Persona. In fact, it is one of my favorite RPGs, and I played it on the PS1 at the time, and it was so cool and dark and different that I loved it. And uh, But it's a very... Br the, the English version is very terrible. Like, like the version we got here in the States was very poorly translated. There were parts of the game missing. Like, it's, it's kind of a mess. And so, you know, I'm surprised to see it on there, to say the least. Ridge Racer Type 4, this was already announced, but this surprised me anyway because of all the Ridge Racers, why to put this one on there. It kind of doesn't make sense to me, especially since this was a later one that, um, you know, like it was later, like after the DualShock controllers came out. So it's just kind of weird to me that you're going to be playing it on a non-DualShock controller. Super Puzzle Fighter 2, another super surprising game. Um, I love Super Puzzle Fighter. I just don't think of it as a game, a must-have game. You know, to me, I guess I would have thought more of a Street Fighter game should have been on there, but we already had two fighters with Tashinden and Tekken, so why would you want three of your 20 games being fighting games? So uh, it makes sense, I guess, but another surprise, but a, but a good surprise, and maybe it filled that puzzle game void, like Mr. Driller 
at Super Puzzle Fighter were your puzzle games, Intelligent Cube puzzle games, you know. Um, Siphon Filter seems like a no-brainer. Uh, Siphon Filter is a Sony-published game. There were rumors and hints that it was making a comeback, uh, trademark renewals and such like that. Tekken 3 we already knew about. Uh, Rainbow Six, uh, like this this to me was, like we talked about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Like, this is the ugly. I cannot understand at all why Rainbow Six is on there. One, it's at the time it was synonymous with PC. Like that game was stellar on PC and it spawned god awful ports on the consoles. So Rainbow Six on N64 and PS1, in my opinion, are just terrible. Most likely it made the list because it's a first person shooter. And if you think about it and you try to think of other first person shooters that could have made it, you think of Medal of Honor. Maybe they couldn't get the rights to that. Um, maybe there was some licensing issue there. Uh, what other first person shooters like made it to the PS one? Like I'm having a hard time thinking about it. I mean, obviously you could have had like doom and Hexen and stuff like that. Hexen would have been great actually, <laughs> man. Why didn't they put Hexen on there? <laughs> I just thought of that now. Um, but rainbow six seemed to be like that, you know, you could have put, um, they did those spec ops games. I mean, they were trash, but I don't know. It, it, it was just that to me is the ugly. I don't really understand why it's there. Uh, the original Twisted Metal, obviously Twisted Metal 2 being the superior game, but the original Twisted Metal does invoke those retro PS1 feelings for me. So I think Twisted Metal was a good choice. And then finally Wild Arms, which we also knew was coming. So if you look, it is obviously a great variety of games. Like they have, you know, your sports, which is kind of like uh, Cool Borders 2. And you have racing, like your Destruction Derby, which isn't really racing, but you have Ridge Racer, Destruction Derby. Then you have your action games, your Metal Gear Solid, your Siphon Filters. You've got your fighting games, Battery Nutrition. So they, they, they were going for variety, you know, because we all know you could make a PlayStation Classic RPG edition, or you could do a Square Enix edition, where it basically just had every great RPG from Square Enix, which they should do, and, and I hope they do. But um, what's interesting is most of these games are available on the PlayStation Store, on your PS3, or on your PSP or Vita. So it, it's it's difficult, I think, to pay $100 for this if you have any other means of playing these games. In fact, you can get a used PS3 at my store for, like, less than the price of this and you could download those games and have a ps3 not just a system to play just ps1 games um so now obviously we want to talk about some in my opinion of some of the glaring omissions so i think and and then we're going to talk about the reasons behind that because as much as there's always a, a want to list like a list of stuff you got to have one thing you have to remember is it's a lot of it comes down to licensing issues whether it's music cars um you know, any sort of thing that has a license that would have expired. A lot of these games obviously are 20 plus years old now. So, you know, it's hard to keep those games up to date. If they're not selling anymore, you're not going to pay to have the licenses renewed. So obviously like to me, one of the most glaring emissions right off the bat was Gran Turismo. And while I don't really care about Gran Turismo personally, I've never been a fan. It, it, that is a PlayStation staple. And it's a franchise that's been with PlayStation all the way up to PS4. So to not see it on the list is is odd to me, you know? And, and I, I wish that they would have gotten it on there. But again, it, it used some licensed music. It used a ton of licensed cars. They If they had to go back and redo all those licenses, I don't know if they would. Um, unfortunately, it, it, if because they are still sold on the PlayStation Store, which tells me that they made the license, they were allowed to sell them on there when those licenses were active. And it's too bad that this PlayStation Classic is technically a, a new device, and then that means they have to get permission again. It's too bad that they couldn't have, have worked this out at the time. So obviously, that's one of the glaring omissions. 
one of the other glaring omissions, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, right? Castlevania Symphony of the Night was, I mean, is, was synonymous with PlayStation 1. But as, as I noted in my video a month ago, uh, just last Friday, was it last Friday? Last Friday, they released the Castlevania Requiem of the Night, which is the two-pack with Symphony of the Night and Dracula X Chronicles, or uh, Dracula X on it, so or uh, Rondo of Blood. So why would you release this on the PlayStation 1 Classic for free? Not free, but you know what I mean, as part of a bundle when you're getting $20 just for that, you know, for those two games there. So it, it makes sense, even though it sucks. But it, so those are some of the reasons why we aren't getting the games we want. And again, when you look at this list, like I look at this and I say about half of it's pretty good, half is pretty garbage, you know, if I'm just being honest. Um, to me, but that's to me. Like uh, someone else might be looking at this and going, man, I used to play Mr. Driller and Rayman at my grandma's house and it was great and it was awesome and they'll love that game. And so the point of these devices is that you'll never like every game on it. When the NES and Super Nintendo Classic came out, you know, I would say I liked most of those games, more so than I would say I like of the PlayStation games. But one very important distinction you have to remember when you talk about the PlayStation 1 Classic is that Sony didn't, make a lot of their best games that were on the ps1 the playstation one was you know that was the textbook how to make a good game console with third-party software and yeah sony had some great offerings like it's not that they didn't have anything but the most memorable games on the ps1 arguably were made by other companies so it's a lot harder to license that stuff as to where nintendo and super nintendo your best games are your mario's kirby's donkey kong's you know, stuff like that, stuff that Nintendo has access to and can just choose to put it on there if they want. They own all the rights to all the original music, you know. And, and getting to the music point, the PlayStation 1 was one of the first systems that was experimenting with, you know, the soundtracks in games. So, you know, game companies were in this new era of, you know, full motion video, uh, actual audio, like real music in games, like licensing out real music for games like Road Rash, Need for Speed, and stuff like that. And so... This is one of the first, you know, classic systems that's going to come with the problem of, well, we licensed music. We didn't create it as a property of that game, which if you look at Nintendo's games, a lot of the music that was created in those games was created for those games and is owned by the people who made that game. So there's no like licenses to renew and stuff like that. That I guess you could argue in the long run is the one good thing about the N64 was that since it was a cartridge and they couldn't do very good music, they didn't have a lot of licensed music in their stuff. They basically, you know, they, they basically made their own in-house music. So I look at this and it's not, it's not a great list, you know, but it's got the heavy hitters that you needed. It's got Final Fantasy VII, which has only been remade like a thousand times, but you've got your Metal Gear Solid, Resident Evil. I mean, I'm putting Cool Borders on there. I got to say, I think it's great. Uh, Tekken 3, Siphon Filter, these are staples. Twisted Metal, like you look at half this list to me and that screams PS1. And then the other half I look at and I go, eh, yeah, I guess, you know. So again, that's my personal preference. And, um, you know, it, it's, it has nothing to do with, uh, like, it's the same thing kind of with ports, right? You know, a lot of people complain about games being ported. But everybody who complains about a game being ported will say something along the lines of, you know, oh my God, who cares about Resident Evil 4 coming to the Switch? Like, I've played it a million times. Or, or I don't like Resident Evil 4, who cares? But, but then that same person will say, but if they remade, you know, 
Um, if they made remade Resident Evil 3 for the Switch, I'd buy that. Well, so it's not that you're against ports, you're just against ports you don't like. And since we all have different tastes, <laughs> you know, like, you could be against a PS1 Classic because the game list doesn't appeal to you, and there's nothing wrong with that. But at to the same time, there might be one person who owned every one of these games. And this is the perfect bundle. Now, based on the internet reaction yesterday, I'm going to go ahead and say safely that they seem to have more people that are that are meh on the system than there are people who are excited for it. So that's a miss, unfortunately. I also believe, and I said this in my video a month ago, I also believe that Sony will be the first company, I'm saying it here, so if this happens, you gotta give me all the credit, Sony will be the first company to make a PlayStation Classic Volume 2. So Nintendo, I don't think will ever do a Nintendo, an NES Classic or a Super Nintendo Classic Volume 2 with different games on it. I think Sony will. I think Sony next year could do a, a PlayStation Classic Volume 2, include 20 different games on it, and sell it again for 100 bucks. I could see that. That, you know, I could see it. Um, so then, though, uh, one thing I like to look at. Now, the, the U.S. list and the list in Europe is the same. However, the Japan list is a little bit different. And the Japanese list is kind of cool. Uh, so I'll it's been be a long eight years, but we're finally the, returning the, the, the to the US Old West in Red Dead Redemption 2. Sure, it may well, have a 2 why. in the title, Arc but the, the game actually serves as both a prequel and companion piece to the original. So what better time to revisit the plot of 2010's memory. excellent Red Dead here? Redemption? After all, we know... Well, that was weird. Okay, so apparently uh, some, some banner popped up. Was that on this? Oh, yeah, it was on this. Sorry about that, everybody, if you if you just picked that up now. My apologies on that. Scrubbing up my video, stupid GameSpot. <laughs> so, again, <clears throat> excuse me. Getting back to the PlayStation Classic Japan exclusives, Arc the Lad 1 and 2. Armored Core. I love Armored Core. Armored Core is incredible. Um, it's one of my favorite PS1 games, actually, and I have all of them uh, as a collection. I absolutely love it. Gradius Gaiden. So, Gradius, great game. Psy. Uh, I don't know what this is. They also got Saga Frontier and Parasite Eve as their extra kind of RPGs. And then they got G-Darius, so another shmup. So they got a couple. So we didn't get any shmups on ours, which are short-term for shoot-em-ups, which are oftentimes horizontal or vertical, um, like you're a spaceship and you're shooting, you know. It's like sometimes referred to, some games like that are called Bullet Hell because there's tons of bullets on the screen. Think Ikaruga for GameCube. Think Life Force Gradius for NES. Think... Um, try to think of a like like think Thunder Force. Um, think, uh, you know, for the Genesis stuff like that. Um, think Phalanx for Super Nintendo. That was a terrible example because probably no one knows what Phalanx is. But anyway, so uh, there's some shmups there as opposed to like your sports uh, games and such. So there, there's some really cool stuff. So I think that's neat. Now the thing is, will you be able to play any of these games in Japanese? Probably not. And I own any of these games like Ark the Lad collection I have, Armored Core I have, Saga Frontier and Parasite Eve I have. So if I want to, I can play them. Um, and then these were the games that were exclusive to America and the UK that Japan isn't getting. So Japan doesn't get Grand Theft Auto, Destruction Derby, or Cool Borders, Oddworld, Rayman, Simon Filter, Rainbow Six, or Twisted Metal, which makes total sense. If I had to guess, none of these games are developed in Japan. I'm pretty sure looking at this list, a couple were developed in Europe, I think, and then the U.S. As to where all of these games, these were all definitely developed in Japan. So, uh, so kind of neat. Um, but, uh, you know, 
I, again, it comes down to your personal taste. If you don't look at the game list and say that it's really exciting to you, you don't want it, don't buy it. You know, don't feel like you have to. Me, just like with the NES and Super Nintendo Classics, I just love the idea that it's an officially made product. Um, and it's officially licensed. Like, everything's legit. And we'll see. I'm 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 pretty sure they're gonna hack this thing. <laughs> so um, maybe we'll be able to add more and more PS1 games, and then we won't have to worry about it. You can add whatever games you want. And I know, yes, to everybody out there right now who's rolling their eyes at me when I say that, yes, you can buy a Raspberry Pi. We all know it, Raspberry Pi owners. We all know it. You can buy a Raspberry Pi, and you can put all the games on it you want, and you can buy a little plastic shell on Etsy that looks like a PlayStation One, snap it together, and you have a PlayStation One Classic. That's fine. It's fine. If you want to do that, that's fine. I'm not saying you should go buy this thing. I'm just saying, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just saying we don't care if you make a Raspberry Pi, <laughs> just shut up about it. <laughs> it's all I ever hear when I talk about classic games, you know, and I, people come into my store and do the same thing. It's hilarious. They're just like, well, you know, I had, I had, um, all these games, but I'm just going to make a Raspberry Pi. And you're like, oh, that's cool. You know, and I don't judge people for that. I don't care. You know, people are still going to collect. Some people make a Raspberry Pi and still collect games. I have no problem with that. But then, like, you know, but then you get people who actually say, well, why would you buy these when you can just download them all for free? And, like, they're being serious. Like, they're not, they're not lying. They're being serious. Um, okay. And as promised, then, we are going to look at my beautiful face there. This is kind of surreal for me. I don't normally watch my own videos and then comment on my own videos. <laughs> but we're going to, uh, we're going to listen to this. And we're going to see how I did on my video from one month ago. So uh, it's going to be a little quieter because it's just how it is but bear with me and uh, let's let's listen to it and let's look at my beautiful face so i'm using this as a guide for games that i would think should possibly be on the system so we already know final fantasy 7 is on here right here metal gear solid this needs to be on there mm -hmm. uh, so i know that they can work with konami on it they've worked with konami in the past uh this is available on the playstation store digitally so i would assume that those contracts are already in place and all they have to do is extend it to this portable device I shouldn't have said portable device there. Like, it makes me cringe every time I hear it. It wasn't a portable device, uh, but obviously in this classic mini device is what I meant. Metal Gear Solid, I would be very surprised if this is not on there. Final Fantasy VII, Metal Gear Solid, Tekken 3, we know it's on there. Final Fantasy VIII's on the list. That one most likely will not. Well, I shouldn't say that. It could be. But why would you put eight on here if you have seven on here? Very good no, point. I mean, it just doesn't make sense from Squaresoft's point, Square Enix's standpoint, um, mostly because eight is often, um, you know, less enjoyed than seven uh, by a lot of people even though eight's a perfectly fine rpg and a very good game yeah it's good at just the magic system the draw system sucks but anyway yes this guy's very smart and educated i like listening to this youtuber xenogears excellent rpg by square enix uh yeah i could see that being on there i don't see why not but we're also starting to get really rpg heavy and you know that that's not what they want to do they don't just want to make an rpg machine uh soul reaver i do not think we'll see this on there uh sadly i was right about that but that'd be cool. Soul Reaver is an incredible game. If you've never played it, you have to play it. Vagrant Story falls in the same trap. It's another Square Enix, Squaresoft RPG. And, you know, same with Chrono Cross. Like, these, you have so many Squaresoft RPGs here that, you know, which ones do you pick to put on there? And if you already have Final Fantasy VII, do you really want to add any more? Um, and so you got Chrono Cross, Final Fantasy IX, same story. Gran Turismo 2. Gran Turismo 1 or 2 will absolutely be on there. The oh, eh, I was wrong. <laughs> That's my first big whiff of this video. These are Sony published games. Uh, Gran Turismo 2 would be the most likely, but they might put the first one on just because it's the first one. Uh, we will definitely see that. What's funny about that is I'm actually kind of not wrong because they had put a lot of the first games on instead of sequels like Toshinden and Twisted Metal. Um, 
you know, so I wasn't wrong with my thought process on that, but I was definitely wrong. I was 100% sure they would include Gran Turismo. I'm, I was very surprised by that omission. Castlevania Symphony of the Night. This game should be on there, but I don't think it's going to be. I guess Ooh, all right, I got that one right. I guess it could be. The reason I say that is because they're, they've recently, ESRB has rated a two-pack with Symphony of the Night and Rondo of Blood. So that's awesome, except with that being kind of remade and sold on the PS4, I don't know if they would also include it on a classic if that might hinder their sales of that digital game. So we'd have to see. I really hope they make that deal work. Again, it's available on the PlayStation Store, so it's not a stretch, I don't think, by any means. Would love to see that game on there, though. Like, like, and look at this just as a fun thing. So this has the release dates in here. Look at 97. Final Fantasy VII, Tekken 3, mm. Castlevania Symphony Night. That was a good year. <laughs> like, what the hell was going on in that year? Like, how did you? How did anyone pick Game of the Year that year? I mean, that's just unreal. Mm-hmm. Um, Symphony of the Night, Final Fantasy VII in the same year. Like, what plan are we on? Um, so then they go to like Crash Team Racing, which is totally, totally possible. This was published by Sony as well. The problem, though, is that the Crash license isn't owned by Sony or Naughty Dog, so that would be something they'd have to work out a deal with uh, mm-hmm. Activision on that. And mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if they could. They might. Again, it's available on the PlayStation Store for your PS3 and your Vita. Sukaden 2. Uh, great game. Uh, I love Sukaden. Uh, now, I'm probably going to get shredded for this, but listen, it's Sukaden, it's Suikaden, it's Suikaden if you... <laughs> If you're Psychomantis Muggersout, I don't care how you pronounce it. Tomato, tomato, my man. I call it uh, Suikoden, uh, Suikoden. I don't. It doesn't matter. So I'm sorry if I got it wrong, but you know, whatever. Um, but I love the first one more, and the second one's a rare game. But again, it's available on the store, so it's possible. Uh, it's Konami. Konami clearly has a relationship with Sony. They can make this work. Parappa the Rapper. Uh, this will definitely be on there. Oh, second big whiff of the video. But again, in my defense, I don't understand how that can't be on there. And again, if it comes down to, well, actually, here's why. And I didn't put enough thought into this originally because they did remake that for PS4. So if you have a remade version of PS4 that you're selling for more, why would you include it as part of a bundle on a, on a home system? So that's why. And I should have thought of that before, but I was wrong. Uh, I'd be very, very surprised if this game does not make that list. Uh, R4, that's already on the list. Again, Crash, kind of same situation. Resident Evil 2, very interesting because Resident Evil 2... I think will make it because of the remake. Eh, wrong again. <laughs> but Resident Evil 1 was on there. So at the very least, I was kind of right because the Resident Evil game made it, just not the one I thought. And they want to drive up sales and they want to like get ready for that, especially since it comes out about a month or two before. So that'd be I'd be very surprised if Resident Evil 2 is not on there, especially Resident Evil 2. Um, which also, look at this. Metal Gear Solid, Resident Evil 2 in the same year. 98. You had Crash... And you also had uh, Xenogears in '98. I mean, man, it was there were some there were some wild years back then. Um, so Legend of Dragoon again, another game that is published by Sony. I'm surprised it hasn't been remade and re-released for PS4 yet. Uh, that will de- I, this will definitely be on there. Uh, <laughs> Super Whiff number three. <laughs> I really thought Dragoon would make it, and I understand that you have Final Fantasy VII as as your killer RPG, but Dragoon is like a Come on! I don't get it, Sony. Again, I can't say for sure, but this... I don't know how you don't put it on there. Well said. Um, Tony Hawk, eh, I could see it. Um, you know, they gotta play nice. Final Fantasy Tactics falls into the same trap as the other Squaresoft games at the time. Street Fighter Alpha 3, probably not, but I could see them doing a Street Fighter game for it um, because Capcom has no problem like selling its soul off. 
Tomba, another interesting game here. So another uh, another Sony published game. So Tomba, awesome game, uh, really good platformer, especially the first one. Um, now this is really far fetched, I believe, but Alundra. Uh, now it's funny if you look if if you're listening on this podcast. Um, basically, what I did was I went to, I went I just did a quick Google search, right? And I did this quick Google search that said top PlayStation One games, and it brings up like this listing of like the. the fan favorites and top games and so i went kind of through the list and said oh this will be on there this won't this will this won't and as i just skipped over to start talking about alundra and my my love for that game i skipped over parasite eve because it was another square uh, squaresoft rpg at the time and i just kind of passed over it but that made it to the japanese one so just a little fun little side note i would love to see it. it's an incredible action rpg it's like the playstation's version of legend of zelda it's super good um and and it was the height of 32-bit 2d sprites so you want to you want to you want a clinic on how sprite how good sprites could look in the 32-bit era it's symphony of the night it's alundra top-notch stuff um and again you know brave fencer this is another one that's you know you know maybe no they probably couldn't do that i was gonna say maybe they could get like x-men versus street fighter or marvel vs. capcom but those the playstation versus those are actually kind of suck so you don't really want those anyway um legend of la gaia i could see that being on there as well that's another uh sony published uh RPG. Uh, I could see Soul Blade making it. You know, Namco has no problem, especially with the new Soul Calibur coming out. Like, a lot of these games, you have to remember, they want to do co-marketing stuff. Uh, Star Ocean mm-hmm. 2 is awesome, but I don't think that'll be on there. Um, SmackDown games wouldn't. just too hard to get the licensing of old likeness of wrestlers and stuff like that. Um, like Spiral games kind of fall in the same trap as Crash, you know, and they have remasters already coming out, so I, it's kind of like, why would you put the old ones on there? Totally but agree. But they could. Uh, Wipeout. I think we'll see a version of Wipeout on there. That wrong number four (laughs) big whiff number four and that's crazy to me too wipeout definitely should have made it and again though that might be a a music licensing issue they were using like this techno music and stuff so that's kind of one of the staples of the playstation one origins i think we'll see that i'd be very surprised if we don't see a wipeout game on there uh intelligent cube this will absolutely not be on there (laughs) super wrong number five uh i'm not doing well on this list but who would have thought intelligent cube would be on here but it's amazing that when i saw it on the list i had some great memories of it so i shared that and so for it to actually show up was pretty funny but this game's awesome if you never played it play it it's really good um you know driver driver 2 i would love to see driver on there that'd be cool i don't think we will clonoa would be really cool the persona games most likely will not come out in there Eh, wrong number seven (laughs) persona one made it somehow and then this is funny because right after that you've got in the picture for my podcast viewer uh, listeners you've got super puzzle fighter 2 turbo is after persona and then grand theft auto is after that so basically this list like most of the games that were picked are on this list that i found this google list um yeah and so that's kind of like this like i said this is just a really cheap crappy like you know top 100 on google list but i wanted to go through that because i think there's some legitimate games that could be on there and the ones we said would probably be on there put us at about 20 games so um so yeah so keep keep an eye on that i'm very curious when they're going to announce the rest of the games all right i'll pause that and i'll close it out there because um so so that was just kind of fun um to recap a month ago and to actually see how well we did and i did not do very well i did okay uh, my assumptions were mostly there, but uh, it was okay. So, um, but anyway, again, once again, the PlayStation One Classic, all twenty games revealed. Check it out. Even uh, if you like half the games, go get it. It's hard sell for me at a hundred bucks, though. It, it really is, um, because you can get a PlayStation and get those games digitally. 
you can get a PlayStation 3 and get those games digitally for a much cheaper price, which can't necessarily be said for the NES Classic. You know, the NES Classic was 60 bucks, and, you know, an NES costs about 40 to 50 to 60, depending what you get with it controller-wise, and you get a couple games, you're already up, up to 100. You know, PS3, you could buy a PS3 for 60, 70 bucks, and then buy a lot of those games are only $5 on the PlayStation Store. You could get a lot of those for near the same price. And then you have a system that also plays Blu-rays, um, plays all PS1 physical games, and plays PS1 digital. So, you know, just a thought. But anyway, PlayStation 1 Classic, 20 games announced. Uh, let me know in the comments what you thought. I, I uh, you know, uh, I, I'd love to know everyone. You know what? Let's let's not do that. Let's not say if you like the Classic or not, right? If you, if you, if you see this video and you like it, um, go into the comments and tell me one of your favorite favorite PS1 memories and tell me a game that you wish would be on there. Let's just do it that way. Right? Let's keep it positive. I'm kind of sick of all the, like the, oh, this sucks and everything sucks. Like, just come on there and, and leave a nice, like, what's your best PS1 memory? That's what I want to hear. All right. And then getting out of the PlayStation stuff. So now, podcast listeners. So next, we're going to talk about the Spyro collections coming out next month. <clears throat> it's coming out next month. And it was supposed to have been out a few months ago, actually. So it was originally due out in September, I believe. And then they delayed it because one of the announcements when they uh, had originally announced the game release date was that it was going to require an internet to uh, internet download. And you're like, wait, 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 why would this game require internet? Well, the original story was that the first game, Spyro the Dragon, was going to be on the disc and you were going to have to download Spyro, Ripto's Rage, and Spyro Year of the Dragon, which are Spyro 2 and 3. And there was a huge uproar. Like, the internet did what it did best, and we came up, we're like, no, 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 no. This ain't happening. I'm done with this. It's not happening. You're not pulling this crap on us, Activision. We're not going for it. And there was a huge uproar, which is good, because the game got delayed a few months. And so we're like, oh, okay, cool. And then there was a, a YouTuber named uh, from a YouTube channel called Yongya, who cited an internal source from the developer toys for Bob. And, uh, he was convinced that act uh, the, the rumor, the source convinced Activision to delay the game in order to make sure all three games were included on the disc. So then as you know, as all things happen, we're all like, yay, like we did it. Internet where everything's good. And it got delayed two months, which everybody was okay with. They were going to put all the games on the disc. According to this insider, YouTube person talked to an insider at toys for Bob and all was well in the world. Well, then we get news. Oh, uh, where did my webpage go? <laughs> there we go. Jeez. Uh, so then we get news that Activision clarifies that the Spyro Reignited Trilogy download requirements are still in place. And the note is that not all of Ripto's Rage and Year of the Dragon will require download. So like this gets more and more confusing. So here's... Uh, um, here, here's what the speculation was because it came out again that you needed to download still, even after the two month delay, after all that stuff, you still have to download. So this is what, it, this is what the clarification was from Activision as first reported by some who visited the reignited trilogy developer toys for Bob, including achievement hunter. Not all of the second and third games in the trilogy will need to be downloaded for those purchasing the game on disc. Activision has confirmed to IGN that, quote, the trilogy will ship with content from each of the three games, including the entire first game and a subset of levels from games two and three in order for the full Reignited Trilogy offering a day one update is required. So 
well, let me finish this up. When asked for further clarification, Activision confirmed this means some full levels will be included on the Reignited Trilogy disc, and other full levels will need to be downloaded as part of a day one update. So should someone purchase the trilogy on disc but not be able to connect their console to the internet, they would be able to play those levels on the disc but not the full original level suite of Spyro, Ripto's Rage, and Spyro Year of the Dragon. Uh, IGN was not provided with a full list of which levels and won't be included on the disc. Um... Yeah, because um, previously fans had spotted the trilogy's official website indicated that Ripto's Rage and Year of the Dragon would require download, but offered no exact information. At the time, Activision stated the download would be somewhat akin to a day one update many modern games have, but did not offer clarification. The latest update offers a better picture of what players planning to buy the physical edition of the trilogy can expect. Um, so yeah, it was pushed from September 21st to November 13th, which apparently was not enough time to get the full thing on there. Um, I, I wish they had delayed another two months and put the full thing on there because this, to me, I can't purchase this. Um, I don't see why you would. Uh, th and again, this isn't this isn't like, you know, a day one patch where it's fixing maybe a bug or an issue in the game. Like this this is, this is missing parts of the game that you're paying for. And so, in however many years in the future, when these patches go offline, you'll never be able to download it again. And so that means if you own that disc in 20, 30 years you'll be missing parts of the game and have no way to update to get the full versions. That's really, really crappy in my opinion. Um, I, I really hate this. I hate this a lot. And this, like the first part is, I guess I can't understand it. Like I can't understand how you don't put them all on the disc. I really just don't get that. I don't understand what's difficult about that. And I, I, I struggle, I struggle a lot with this. And this is just kind of that, you know, companies trying to, I think force us into this this all digital future which is coming it's an inevitability but it doesn't have to be right now and they need to stop pulling stuff like this why even make a physical disc then just sell it on the store you know the the castlevania requiem of the night that is only digital and that's your your two retro games you know like like i would love to see that on a disc don't get me wrong i would love to see that on a disc and and if it ever comes on a disc in any country i'm buying it but you know, I wouldn't buy it if Symphony Night was on there, but missing half the game and you had to download the other half of the game as a day one patch. And so the one thing I can say, I guess, in for credit here in, in, in defense of this madness is that at least it wasn't a download code. That would have been way worse to get the first game on disc and then the second two games were digital codes. That would have been a bigger pile of garbage. At least it's just a day one patch that you update the game to include it all. I just, if it's going to be included on a day one patch, usually that's because a quick little thing, if you don't know how, how games work, usually a game is, has what they call gone gold, which means they're going to send the files off to be physically printed to the discs. Well, a lot of work gets done on a game from when it goes gold to when it actually comes out because it takes upwards of a few weeks to sometimes a few months to stamp all these discs. So a lot of times the, the employees are still working on the updates and stuff so that when that game comes out day one, there's a patch to fix certain bugs and things that they couldn't get fixed before the game went gold. And so they've obviously been working long enough. So say it was one more month delay would have been able to have this patched and have all the games on the disc, then just push it back another month. It's just really infuriating to me, you know, because say the game comes out November 13th. Um... You know, and it comes out November 13th. You could just push it back a month, 
add everything on there and then have it released December 13th. You're still there for the holiday season. It's still a good thing. You're still coming out in 2018. It's not like you're pushing the game back six, you know, six months, but it's frustrating to me. Honestly, th this, this just pushes me into a whole new bag of, of getting pissed off. And yeah, it's really easy to hate on Activision for like stupid stuff they do. And there's going to be just many people who say you're overreacting and, and it's fine. And if you want to still buy this, go right ahead. I can't with a good conscience buy this. It's really frustrating to me. And, and, um, it's just garbage, especially since we all got our hopes up thinking they were making the change for the better. Uh, because part of the reason for the delay also was that there were rumors that there were performance issues on on uh, Spyro 2 and 3. And I remember reading that thing, and that's really stupid. Like, that shouldn't be a thing. But if they delayed the game two months and didn't put everything on the disc, then that pretty much means that what they've been doing for the last two months, or the, during this two-month delay, has been probably increasing the performance so it must really be suffering from those um like rumored performance issues and and so like how do you how do you screw this up i mean for crying out loud all you had to do was take the three spiral games put hd textures on them and re-release them you didn't have to like redraw everything and like turn everything into a big mess you know uh, you know, I don't know. It's it's something that could have been great, and I'm not I'm not a huge spiral fan anyway. Like, uh, you know, the crash the crash trilogy was done really well, the spiral one not so much. So unfortunately, I, I don't know. It's up to you if you guys want to buy it. Personally, I'm gonna be passing on this one. All right, and uh, let me get back to my thing here, because uh, the last story, <clears throat> excuse me. So last story we're talking about today is Microsoft and their prototype controllers, uh, prototype Xbox controllers for phones and tablets. So recently, Microsoft announced the uh, xCloud service, which is uh, a game streaming service that Microsoft's been working on. And they want to bring um, full PC and console game streaming to portable devices, tablets, phones, etc., well, Microsoft also knows seemingly or has done the research to show that console quality streaming needs to have some sort of physical controls. Here, here's a quote from Microsoft. As smartphones and tablets have become, per, have become pervasive, so has mobile gaming. Not surprisingly, popular games for these platforms are focused on touchscreen-based interaction. However, many types of games are less well-suited to mobile devices. Despite systems like Adapt Control, which can adapt to the drift typically occurred when using virtual on-screen controls, touch-based emulation of traditional gaming controls like D-pads, buttons, and joysticks are often unsatisfactory. Mobile gaming devices like the Sony PlayStation Portable and Nintendo DS and Switch are dedicated mobile gaming platforms which overcome these limitations via physical controls. The success of the Switch is testament to the value of mobile gaming with physical controls. A number of cheaper products allow a smartphone to be clipped into or onto a modified handheld gaming controller. These include the Ion iCade Mobile, the Game Case, the Game Vice, uh, and products from MoGA. However, the fixed form of these accessories means they are bulky and inflexible. So that was the quote from Microsoft as they were talking about and researching different devices to aid with this uh, game streaming to mobile devices. Um, so this is kind of cool. So I know podcast listeners, you can't really see this, but I'm going to do my best to describe it. This quite literally looks like if you cut an Xbox One controller in half, and then stuck it on the side of your phone. <laughs> that is that is kind of, I think, the idea they're looking for, which is actually pretty cool. And there's actually a few concept design choices here. And I, and I, I think it's really neat because this is something I've always said. Now, Jordan would disagree with me, 
and rightfully so. I mean, he plays a lot of mobile and portable, and he's used to it, and he's probably okay with it, especially shooters and things. And I've played a few games like Dragalia Lost most recently, how you just touch the screen and, and you twist your hand or like your finger around to, to change the direction you're running, but you run to where you're touching the screen. Like there's, like there's intuitive controls on mobile gaming, no doubt. But I've always felt like what I've always wanted forever was kind of like that Sony Xperia phone or whatever it was where it was like a phone, but you slid it up kind of like a PSP go. And then it had a D pad and, and buttons so that you could play and that lets you play like PS one classics. That, that to me is what would make sense. Like I need physical buttons. I know I'm old school that way. It's just, I need physical buttons. So with that being said, I've always wanted a solution more like this. Like I would love some sort of device that I could snap onto my phone and play games traditionally. So Microsoft's looking into it. Obviously they need to with this game streaming device. But again, the issues you run into is this bulky, um, inflexible, as they said down here, but this bulky kind of solution, which, you know, what are you going to do? Carry around your pocket. If I have to carry a controller around in my pocket, it kind of defeats the whole purpose of the mobility side of it. If you look at this top picture here, you've basically got a mobile phone in a clip and the clip goes over the Xbox controller. That's ideal probably because then you're using an actual controller, but what do you do? You can't put that whole thing in your pocket, you know? And yeah, I guess if you have a backpack or a satchel or a fanny pack or something, it'd be fine. But uh, you know, it, it just, it doesn't seem practical. What I would always have liked was some sort of phone case that might make your phone thicker than you'd like, but then you flip up the phone and yeah, it's got maybe, maybe you, you, there's a button on the bottom, you pop up and the little analog sticks pop out and you can play that way. That's what I'd like to see. But then you also have a lot of mobile games aren't controller compatible. So uh, mobile games, it may not help with, but Microsoft's X cloud project X cloud game streaming service, it would work with. So these are just, uh, it was just interesting to me, you know, um, some of these designs are, are pretty cool. Um, however, I think there might be one problem. And that problem is the game vice. Now uh, we have a little bit, uh, all things considered, uh, I have to throw out there that we, I guess we're affiliated with them for once. They gave us some game vice devices to give away as a free, uh, giveaway on some of our videos. Uh, so I've used the product. I've seen it firsthand. Uh, I thought it was okay. I didn't have a problem with it. Um, but it's this kind of like hard plastic thing with a, like a band on the back and you pull it out, like it stretches around your phone and then it sticks to the edge of your phone and then use like a controller and it's fine. You know, it gets the job done, but I want full disclosure. We we've been affiliated with game vice in the past for giveaways on our channel. <clears throat> um, but the reason I brought that up is because recently Nintendo was sued by peripheral maker game vice for switch design and fringe patents. So here's a picture of the game vice again, podcast listeners. I know you can't see this, but just imagine, like I said, uh, imagine just two halves of a controller stuck to the side of a tablet. So Nintendo was being sued by Game Vice for a design of the Nintendo Switch and its Joy-Con controller infringes the design of Game Vice patents for controllers that also slide onto handheld gaming devices. So when you look back at the Microsoft prototype, they're literally doing the exact same thing. They've taken their controller, cut it in half, and you stick it to the sides of a tablet or of a smartphone. So currently, as far as I can tell, they're still in the lawsuit. Basically in um in 2017, they filed a lawsuit, and then in October, they dropped the lawsuit. But then going back to May of 2018, Game Vice started a new lawsuit against Nintendo, and that one, I believe, is still in the uh, in the courts uh, here. So, But that's kind of an interesting idea, is that if Game Vice wins this lawsuit, that will pose massive problems for Microsoft, unless Microsoft just pays them for the licensing rights to that 
idea, essentially. So they could license the patent to make their own controllers that stick to their devices. And and so basically GameVice would make money off of Microsoft selling every one of these devices. So just, just an interesting little take on that. Nothing really too crazy going on. It's not that important. Uh, I don't know how many people would actually use these controllers and everything. But uh, it's it's good to know that even though Microsoft's been looking into it, maybe that's why we haven't seen anything since is they're most likely looking at this lawsuit too and waiting to kind of see how everything pans out. If Nintendo wins that lawsuit, then I'm sure Microsoft would go forward with this design. If they don't, I'm assuming either Microsoft is going to come to a deal with GameVice or they're just going to rethink their whole strategy from the ground up and make sure that they're not infringing on anyone's copyrights. And, uh, oh, let's see. I did that whole thing. <laughs> I did that whole thing without switching to the, to the, to the podcast view. Great. Um, so anyway, it's fine. Um, so anyway, podcast listeners, thank you as always for listening. Much appreciated. Um, the game of the week we're going to talk about today. Uh, I'm actually going to talk about intelligent cube because I was ranting about it, uh, during the PlayStation one classic breakdown. And it's, it's a really hard game to describe at its core. It's a puzzle game, but you play as, like a there's like a person on this like floor and the floor has these blocks that are constantly moving towards you and eventually they'll squish you or push you over so the idea is that you have to move the blocks uh in a certain way so that the person can run if you ever played the game Catherine for ps3 or 360 it's similar to that except it's laying like you're flat instead of trying to climb up through elevation you're like on a flat plane um but yeah so uh so it's a very good game it's it's like a puzzle game but also like you move yourself like you move this character and you have to move left to right and then you can turn like you choose how quickly the blocks come at you all this other stuff but it's, it's kind of fun it's a neat little puzzle game it's it cranks your brain a little bit makes you think differently and it kind of it keeps you sharp but it is it is a fun puzzle game check it out intelligent cube for the playstation one and so once again, thank you everybody for listening as always. If you're listening to this on iTunes uh, or on SoundCloud, thank you, thank you very much. You can, uh, if you're listening to this on SoundCloud, you can search for us, search for Game Talk Radio on the podcast app of your iPhone. You will find us on iTunes. Or like I said, you can listen to us on SoundCloud. Um, and uh, always, if uh, for both listeners of the podcast, whether it's Apple uh, iTunes or if it's on SoundCloud, if you could go to our YouTube channel, it's youtube.com slash the drop rate. Uh, the is very important there because there's another drop rate channel. It doesn't have as many subs as us. We've got about 3,500 subs right now, which I'm so proud of. I'm so happy. I know I say this every single week, but like we're getting a couple hundred subs a month. And we just keep cranking and cranking. And like the idea is just to keep going and keep moving forward. It's it's really like it's the slow grind now where what's the difference between 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 up to 10,000? Nothing really. But you have to keep grinding out this slow number. You know, in the beginning, it was easy to say, okay, our goal is 100. And then our goal is 1,000 to get monetize, to keep monetization. And then it was, okay, 1,000. It was 2,000. Now we hit three. And it's like, okay, well, we'll just keep going for four and five. And then it's 10. And then after that, it's who knows? Um, it's the sky's the limit. Uh, we just need to bust out some more videos and get people... Uh, get to really catch people's attention but so anyway again if you're listening to this on itunes or soundcloud please please go subscribe to us on youtube i would really appreciate it um and, and i just i'll keep doing these as long as you guys keep listening we're coming up on our hundredth episode so i'm gonna try to do something special for that i can't promise we will do something special for that but i'm gonna try to do something special for that because uh maybe i'll have a special guest on the show that is kind of my plan uh a, a special guest some of you might remember so uh anywho i again as always appreciate you love you guys i will keep doing this as long as you keep listening thank you very much have a great day bye-bye